Hello, everybody. Welcome to another edition of Ice the Kicker. My name is Glenn Zanieris, alongside, as always, Matt Ferrara. Um, some news breaking over the last couple weeks in the NFL. The offseason is in full swing, an offseason that we talked about last time we spoke to you guys that is shaping up to be one of the most eventful offseasons in recent memory in terms of big names moving from one team to another. We saw Stafford get moved. Um a month ago or so, and we got our second quarterback um, moving, our second star quarterback moving from one franchise to the other. That is Carson Wentz, finally out of Indy, uh, out of Philadelphia, going to the Indianapolis Colts. Um, Matt, this was something that we saw coming. This was a very messy and ugly and very public divorce between Wentz and the Eagles. He was not happy to be benched by Jalen Hurts. He was not happy Mm -hmm. to be coached by a team led by Doug Peterson. And there was a little bit of a idea that maybe when Doug Peterson got relieved of his duties by Philly, that they essentially chose Wentz over him, but essentially the Eagles chose nobody and they chose to get rid of both of them. So they got rid of Peterson a couple weeks after their season ended. Now they trade Wentz, to Indianapolis. So the only quarterback on the Eagles roster right now is Jalen Hurts. It's it's before we get into what it means for both Indianapolis and the Eagles, we can, I guess, talk about what Carson Wentz has meant to that Eagles team leading up to the season. He got drafted. He had that one spectacular year that they won the Super Bowl, got hurt towards the end of that regular season, didn't get to play in that postseason, went to Nick Foles, since then, it's been up and down. He had a miserable season this year. There's no way around that. And, you know, just like Doug Peterson, Carson Wentz, their legacies in Philadelphia, obviously winning the only Super Bowl in franchise history is going to cover up a lot of the disappointment in it. But And it both certainly didn't end well. But at the end of the day, when history shows, um, when history tells the story of the Philadelphia Eagles, I think the Super Bowl championship is going to outweigh the ugliness that was the ending of this. Yeah, I mean, I, I hope so, too. And you just uh, kind of hit the nail on the head there saying how kind of right after his Super Bowl, again, the run that he didn't get to, but he was obviously a part of that team. It kind of went downhill from there. And again, everybody, when you think about Carson Wentz, besides just thinking about this year where he was terrible and just by getting there's really no redeeming qualities in what he did this season. And, and then you, again, you look at the Super Bowl that they won. He wasn't even a part of that kind of playoff run. So it just, it, it almost feels like Carson Wentz has a no legacy in Philly. If that makes sense, like Nick Foles, I would say is a more popular guy in Philadelphia. And I know, it, it just get it. it's just one of those things that every ending for the most part of a player on a team nowadays always seems to kind of get ugly. And again, it, it's very strange how everything kind of played out, especially with Peterson and his uh, mis mis coaching and his mishandling of, of how to coach the game in Week 17 when they played the Washington Football Team, and then just with everything with Carson Wentz, even just kind of it was kind of weird how the back end of the season he didn't even suit up. Like, it was just very, very strange. Like, what if Jalen Hurts got, got hurt in those games at the end and he just said, screw it, like, I'm, I'm not going. So just a, a very weird kind of situation and something that I think Carson Wentz knew he was ready to leave the second Jalen Hurts kind of got one of the starts there. 
Yeah, I think it's going to be interesting how we look at this 30, 40 years from now with Carson Wentz because in 1990, right, the Giants won the Super Bowl. The the Giants' main quarterback in franchise history leading up to that point and for the next 14 years before Eli came was Phil Simms. But in that Super Bowl, Phil Simms actually got hurt before that Super Bowl and Jeff Hostetler started. But, like, we don't remember that. Well, mm-hmm. I'm, I don't remember that. I wasn't born. But, like, everybody remembers yeah. Phil Simms more than they do Jeff Hostetler. So mm-hmm. it'll be interesting to see if that's a similar kind of situation. Obviously, Phil Simms is a Hall of Fame quarterback. We'll see if Carson Wentz yeah. ever bounces back and gets his career back on the trajectory where he could potentially maybe be a hall of famer. But yeah, it's, it's unfortunate what happened at the end of Philadelphia, but thank God for them that they got that super bowl. So it kind of makes this messy divorce worth it. He's going to go to Indianapolis. And we talked about this when Phil rivers retired. And we talked about it last time we spoke when we were doing a little bit of a mock draft, this roster with Indianapolis this is a roster that's ready to win they were they're essentially a Mm -hmm. quarterback away from really competing in that AFC they have they they could compete now with assuming Wentz figures it out again this is a roster that could compete with Cleveland and Baltimore and Kansas City the question is going to be can this organization and can this coaching staff um can they unlock the potential that we thought that Carson Wentz and Carson Wentz had they can they bring back that magic that he showed in 2017 if the answer is yes then it's a very dangerous team in the AFC but if the answer is no then a year from now we're going to be on this podcast talking about who's the third mm-hmm. quarterback in three years for, in, for Indianapolis going to be yeah I mean again Indy is a perfect roster they have a phenomenal O-line probably one of the best if not the best in the league they have uh again they have, they're probably going to have to re-sign T.Y. Hilton or some other wide receiver to get them another weapon but Michael Pittman did very well this year in his rookie season. Jonathan Taylor absolutely destroyed the NFL uh, the running back another rookie right there. And again it's uh, it's a very exciting time for the Colts. And again they're a team that they've been successful for so many years and finally the days of seeing Curtis Painter be your quarterback because Peyton Manning was hurt or Brian Hoyer be your quarterback because Jacoby Brissett was hurt. Those days are kind of over. And now Carson Wentz is night and day better than those quarterbacks I just named. And you were asking about what basically is it going to take to get the most out of him. And I think him pairing up with his old uh, offensive coordinator and Reich, that's definitely a, a great step. And that's probably a reason that Carson Wentz is so excited to go to Indy besides just kind of being the starter. But the fact that he's going to be in a system that is familiar and somewhat catered to him. So I think there's definitely a, a lot of potential there. I definitely think Carson Wentz is going to have a better year. Will he be that MVP caliber guy? I don't know, but you put it this way. If you're playing on that Colts roster right now, this is all on Wentz. If you can't show out on that team with that old line, this is all on you. So it's going to be make or break for him this year. And there's absolutely no excuses. Colts didn't give up much for this trade. They have a 2021 third round pick, a 2022 conditional second round pick that can turn into a first round pick if Wentz plays 75% of Indianapolis's offensive snaps. Um, the track record says that that probably won't happen because Carson Wentz is a guy that's, you know, injury prone, as they say in the business. Carson Wentz, I think, as you said, he's familiar with the offensive coordinator. Um, Carson Wentz, body type wise, reminds you a lot of what the Colts had in Andrew Luck. 
um, kind of the big, broad-shouldered quarterback. It's yeah. is he is he going to play well or is he not going to play well? I hate I hate to make it so simple on a podcast where mm-hmm. we're supposed to articulate our thoughts and make everything specific. Mm-hmm. But if Carson Wentz plays well, then this is a slam dunk for Indianapolis. They have their quarterback for the next four or five years, and they're going to be a they're going to compete and they're going to compete for you know the AFC. If he doesn't, then you know, then he doesn't. This is this is basically Carson Wentz's last chance because, you know, he can make the excuse that Philadelphia is a dumpster fire. Philadelphia is, you know, inept and they're, you know, they're bad. They're they're not a well-run organization. Now he doesn't have that excuse anymore. And as you said, it's all on him and his performance. Yeah, I mean, something that I asked Style about because he's a Colts fan and kind of was just trying to, asked some of my uh some of my uh, other other friends too was is Carson Wentz that much better than Philip Rivers and I I didn't mean that in like an insulting way that on Carson Wentz but basically the Colts were one offensive drive away from beating the Bills and seemingly probably going to the AFC Championship game and then probably losing to the Colts but I mean losing to the Chiefs so when you really compare they have identical rosters to, to last year and then this upcoming year. Now you factor in, all right, you have Carson Wentz at the helm versus Phillip Rivers. Does he make them that much better? And again, if I had to put money on, I'd say, yeah. I mean, I'd say if Carson Wentz is the quarterback of that game, I think they beat the Bills. So, I mean, that, that's got to be something that I'm sure that's what the Colts were looking at when they made that trade for him was saying basically who's going to be the guy that's going to get us over that hump. Now it might not be over the hump to beat the Chiefs, Mm-hmm. But it, it kind of was over the hump to to beat the Bills that very day. So again, if you look at th- pure potential, right? A t- potential mm-hmm. of the twenty eight year old Carson Wentz is so much more than the thirty nine year old Philip Rivers. So I th- they're betting on potential. And if you get the twenty seventeen yeah. Carson Wentz on this Indianapolis roster, they could beat anyone in the AFC. Maybe not yeah. the Chiefs, but you know, if you get an MVP type performance like you got in 2017 from Carson Wentz on a roster like mm-hmm. Indianapolis that already has a top 10 defense, they have offensive weapons to put around him, then then you should be really excited if you're a Colts fan. The problem is 2017 was four or five years ago now. That's that's the problem. Yeah. At what point yeah. was 2017 the anomaly and not the norm? Because it's been 2018, yeah, I mean, 2019, and now 2020, where he hasn't been as good, and he has been injury prone, and he has had underperformance that got him benched. Like you can say all you want about the the Eagles and how they ran things, and Doug Peterson, and if it was a good idea to draft Jalen Hurts for his confidence, for Wentz's confidence, or mm-hmm. whatever, you can make any argument you want. Wentz deserved to get back to get benched. He earned that benching. Um, I don't think there was a vendetta against him. I don't think they drafted Jalen Hurts because they had this in their plans to get rid of Wentz in a year's time. I think Wentz saw the Hurts draft pick, and I think that it messed him up psychologically. And that's why he didn't play. That's a big reason why he didn't play well. And that's something that should concern you if you're Indianapolis, if this guy's mental toughness is good enough to to handle the expectations of a team that should go, that wants to go to the Super Bowl. Do you want your quarterback to kind of be desensitized when, you know, a talented young quarterback is his backup? 
that's something that you need to think about because you want your quarterback to be the leader. You want your quarterback to be the toughest guy in the room. Yeah. That, again, it's such a, it's such a tricky subject and it's again, honestly, it's a hard one. And that's something that obviously I saw this year with the dolphins and you kind of had two leaders in Tua and Fitz. I'm sure it was the same deal with the Eagles too. Obviously they all trusted Carson Wentz and he was their leader, then you have this kind of young stud Jalen Hurts come in and again shows great leadership qualities as well. Then on top of that, he was balling out for a little bit too. So when you put the two leaders together, you're going to go with a guy who is doing well. And that that's kind of the unfortunate part, I think, of just leadership is that it, it usually does come down to how good you are when it, it shouldn't necessarily. But obviously, if, if all things are even, you're going to pick the guy who's playing better. And I wanted to touch upon something you said real quick that I think is, is awesome. That is another very hard thing to kind of predict in the NFL. And that's basically what is an anomaly year for, or say, a quarterback specifically versus what is kind of a year that, that you expect them to continue. And that's something that, again, you look at Herbert or you look at, say, uh, someone like Aaron Rodgers who had an MVP season or even, say, Josh Allen who had a year that was definitely not – you uh not a norm for him so now when you look at say josh allen and justin herbert are, are we just going to assume that they're going to play on that level if not progress and get better and better every year or are we going to say it's more of a carson Wentz situation where hey that was probably more of an anomaly year and i think that's the hardest thing for like a scout or a coach to predict and as a fan too i'm curious kind of your thoughts on that I think that you have to judge it after the fifth year. The guys like Allen and the guys like Tua and everyone that's coming up in the first, second, and third year, if they have like two really good years, um, then three and four and five can be not as good. And then all of a sudden you question. But if they, mm -hmm. in years yeah. two, one and two, play really well, then you don't really have any history of them not playing well. I think in a situation mm -hmm. like a Carson Wentz, where now we're in year, what, six, seven? Yeah, something like that. Yeah, six, seven, Derek Carr, kind of same thing that they really just had one yeah. guy, one big year. Mm -hmm. I think by year six and seven, I think you take the majority of what you've seen so far, especially if it's, especially if the one good year has been really early or in the middle. And then it's been surrounded by kind of mediocre play. Like you can, you can, there's quarterbacks out there that it takes years five six to then get good and then they take off but if your year one and two are bad and then you have a good year three and then four five six are bad then maybe year three was an anomaly yeah so that's yeah no nah, man i think that that's definitely that's, that's definitely kind of what what i would look at it too and obviously you look at any of their outlier teams like the kind of the talent around them like maybe they had just an awful team around them or maybe they had a really good team around them so it's definitely interesting to see kind of how to predict someone's future success. And obviously that's the name of the game when it comes to football and basically all sports. But I think football, especially with the quarterback position where we know that you need talent around you. It's just, mm -hmm. it's just a fact. It and you, you got to be careful with these quarterbacks because there are a lot of quarterbacks that have, you know, maybe a six game stretch where they're really good. They cash in on it. Then they're really bad. You know, Brock Osweiler had like a good four game mm -hmm. stretch with Denver cashed in with Houston and then we never saw him again right he was terrible so it's 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 tough to gauge the talent of the quarterback that's why when you have one mm -hmm. you have to make them happy at all costs and the Eagles didn't do that with Carson Wentz 
now Carson Wentz had his own problems and it's not, and it, it, this is yeah. partially his fault that it didn't work out. But when you have someone like a Russell Wilson, a Deshaun Watson, um, you know, a Mahomes, a Jackson, you got to make them happy because you yeah. only have so many franchise legend quarterbacks that you are able to get. And when you get them, you got to hold on to them. So, yeah, um, no, definitely. Let's talk about the Eagles side of this. Um, speaking of quarterbacks, so Hertz is the only quarterback on that roster. Are we convinced on March 2nd that in September when Hertz uh, is going to be the guy week one? I mean, I'm going to say, yeah. I mean, there is nothing in his play that would tell me otherwise. Now, for some reason, I always see that the Eagles are potential trade-up candidates or, or, or candidates to draft a quarterback. Now, that to me would be kind of confusing because they're more they're the sixth overall pick and they're more slotted to get a guy like a Trey Lance or a Mac Jones. So that would just be confusing to me. And again, I, I mean... Uh, like I I've alluded to that. Obviously I love competition, but like back to back first rounders on a quarter or, or in first and Hertz was a second rounder. It's like, especially after Hertz had a good season, it's like, you're really going to draft another it, it, guy. It wouldn't make that, any sense kind of strange. because you had Wentz, right? No. And then yeah. you drafted Hertz. And then we asked the questions then, like, why would you do that? And then you get rid mm -hmm. of Wentz or Hurst. And then the first round you take Lance like that didn't, that wouldn't make sense at all. Like saying it out loud, that yeah, doesn't that, make sense. Uh, you're basically drafting three. I mean, you basically had three franchise quarterbacks within the same season, months. which, yeah, that's what I mean. That it, it, it would make sense again. Would it surprise me if it happened? Yeah, but like one of those things where, hey, like you, you, you just never know in football, like you, you really don't, maybe. Like their new coach doesn't really like Hurts. Like I, I, I have no, I have no mm -hmm. idea. Or maybe Mac Jones is a guy that they're saying, "Hey, we need to get this guy." I, you have no idea. And I think when it comes to the quarterback position, pe people and teams get very desperate. And if they see a quality in in a quarterback that's available when their pick is up, and they absolutely love it, who knows? You, you just have no idea. But I would I hope think not. Hertz I think has Hertz done enough good. though to deserve a shot. Not to just go into training camp and not have any competition and just be the starter week one. Yeah. But I think he definitely deserves mm -hmm. a shot to win the job. And in this kind mm -hmm. of situation, you know, bringing in a veteran like a Fitzpatrick, right. Or a Mariota or a Rosen, like one of those mm -hmm. guys that's going to challenge, yeah. but not necessarily come in as like a threat to the job in terms of the future. I think that's something that would yeah. work for Jalen hurts, but I definitely think Jalen hurts deserves a look in a full training camp and a full preseason. With yeah, whoever nah, they pick I mean, the you have to or the sixth spot in the draft. Yeah. If they take a wide receiver and give Hertz a weapon, then you definitely have to see if he can do it. Oh, yeah, without, without a doubt. I mean, there, there's again, we talked about it on the mock draft. They can go wide out. They can go Kyle Pitts tight end who's basically wide out. They can sure up that line and maybe get Sewell if he's still there or the guy Slater from from Northwestern. So they have a ton of great avenues, I think. Uh, in their situation again hey last year you last year was basically a wash even though you were a game or two away from winning the division now you have a new coach you have a quarterback who's finally going to get a, a, a preseason OTAs all those stuff that he needs and you're gonna have a new system and all that and you're gonna have a, a player who's hopefully top six uh, talent so I think they're in a very good position but drafting a quarterback to me would make no sense they have the, the problem is they don't I don't think they have cap space i think they're in cap space hell to be honest 
Yeah, yeah, they're they're struggling with it. If I remember correctly, like, I think they're really over in terms of money they can spend, but we'll see. That division sucks. Yeah, them and them and the Saints so, were bad. Yeah. So if they get hurt and he blows up, they go eight and eight, they could win the division. Who knows? Because that division's that bad. And you know, if they get a wide receiver, let's yeah. say they get Chase, and then you have Chase and Hurts, they squeak out eight games, they win the division, then everything's then you just keep going. You keep improving from yeah. that point. So we'll see what happens with Definitely. Philadelphia. We'll see what happens with Indy. Gun to your head, if you're looking into your crystal ball and we're on the show 365 days from now, mm. are we talking about Indianapolis having a, a better 2021 or are we talking about the Eagles having a better 2021 in terms of that trade? Uh, I mean, I'm going Indy. I mean, Indy's okay. definitely going to make the playoffs and they probably they might make a deep run too. I mean, I think without a doubt, Indy. Okay. That's cool. I mean, there is a situation where it works out for both. Indy makes a deep run and Jalen Hurts blows up. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. yeah, I think I think Indy is going to be really excited if Hurts stays healthy. One, I'm not Hurts. If Wentz stays healthy, one and two mm-hmm. um, figures out uh, his potential and gets out of that, you know, whatever mind fuck he happened in Philadelphia, he overcomes that and he plays the way he did in 2017. Then Indianapolis is set up. Um, news mm-hmm. from yesterday, JJ Watt is not on the Texans anymore. He is on the Arizona Cardinals. <laughs> Cardinals went eight and eight last year. Kyler Murray had a really good first half of the season, then kind of hit a, a wall, a sophomore year wall, whatever mm-hmm. you want to call it. They have Deandre Hopkins. So Watt and Hopkins reunite. They were both in Texas, uh, in Houston. Now they're in Arizona. What is the ceiling for this team now? If under the assumption that Watt stays healthy and he's JJ Watt. I don't know. Like, listen, like, as far as JJ Watts' choice to go there, I love it. I mean, honestly, again, he's on the back end of his career. I know there was rumors that he was going to go to Buffalo and he was going to go to Indy. I heard Green Bay too. He, he, yeah, Green Bay. So, I mean, again, I feel like with him and his wife, maybe they want to start a family. Who knows? But like Arizona, it's the weather. Like nice. Yeah, it, it it seemed like more of that kind of decision because again, if you were going to win. You would it doesn't go seem to... like he made a decision to win a Super Bowl. Like he would have picked Green Bay if that was the case. And on top of that, it came out that Indy, who is probably a better contender than the Cardinals are, offered him more money. So mm-hmm. that's where that's where, again the first thing that comes to my mind is ah, he just wants to be out in Arizona again. Can't blame him either. Like I said, back maybe end that of his second career, year was a big deal too. That guaranteed. Could be, yeah, I mean. Year. Yeah, I mean that that's a great point too. I mean, and he's getting what? It's like two year thirty one million dollar deal. So that's still a great amount of money. The other deals may have been what one year eighteen mil. So mm-hmm. he took a little bit less. And I think I saw that he said being familiar with Vance Joseph, the DC, and obviously uh kind of pairing with Chandler Jones, who's an absolute beast on that D line, and then reuniting with uh Hopkins is, is always kind of nice to see too. So it was uh, uh, an interesting decision, but I, I definitely get it. And but, however, not one that I think uh, would be to to kind of win. And going back to your original question about how they kind of stack up now, they're not the best team even in their division. So that's mm-hmm. why that's it was kind division. of a weird. Yeah. So I mean, you have the Rams. Obviously, they just got Stafford. Um. The the Niners are definitely going to make a move for some sort of quarterback, and when they're healthy. They're amazing. They went to the Super Bowl two years ago. So, so I, I just it, it's a it's a weird decision for the Cardinals because you have to look. But hey, like is is he gonna get us over the hump? 
maybe i don't know but i i definitely applaud them for still trying and not kind of bending the knee to say uh to san fran or uh the rams yeah and you gotta throw in seattle there i know russell's not happy but they did go 12 and 4 last year and you know we don't know what's going to happen in the future but if seattle helps out russell wilson then there's still a force to be reckoned with in that division that is a tough Mm -hmm. division and you got the young quarterback i would guess like in terms of youth and like just excitement about a future quarterback i would give the cardinals the edge in that division from that standpoint yeah. like who's the quarterback that you would mm-hmm. trust over the next six seven eight years i would go murray mm-hmm. before i go wilson who's getting up there in age stafford who's getting older yeah. you know san francisco doesn't have a quarterback right now so but the yeah. problem with that is the problem with that is watts not young enough to make a decision no. based on that he wants to win now, mm-hmm. which is why I'm surprised he didn't go to Green Bay. Even under a one-year mm-hmm. deal, you're going to play with Aaron Rodgers, obviously on the other side of the field. He's offense on Watt's defense, but you're going to get a chance to go to the mm-hmm. Super Bowl, and I'm not sure that Arizona's there yet. Yeah, it's... Again, it's I don't really know what the basis behind his decision was, and again... The truth of it, I'm sure we won't totally figure out, obviously, because, again, it seems very simple. Hey, if you wanted to win, then you're going to go to you're going you're to go to the Packers. It's just as simple as that. And I know he, he also said in his like little press conference that like, oh, like it's no or it's no shock that teams with good quarterbacks uh, are, are going to win and be successful. And he obviously was giving a shout out to Kyler Murray. But like. How are you so numb to MVP Aaron Rodgers? So it's just I I don't know. I'm just a little confused by by the decision. Yeah. Um oh, it's one of those things, I guess. It's the end of his career. He's, he wants to go where he wants to be happy. I'm sure he wants to win. I'm sure he yeah. wants to win a Super Bowl. Everyone does, but you know, there's a lot of factors where his wife wants to be, where he wants to mm-hmm. raise his family. You know, there's a lot of things that go into where a person decides other than just winning, like as fans, we just assume that Mm -hmm. they're just going to go to the team that wants to win the most or is best equipped to win the most. But of course the player wants Mm -hmm. that, but there's also other things that go along with it. So Watt goes to the Cardinals for two years, I think $36 million, something in that ballpark. So we'll see how that works. Hopefully he can stay healthy. That's something that Watts has struggled with over the second half of his career. So hopefully he stays healthy Mm -hmm. and Arizona gets to, see him defensively for a full 16 game season on the Dolphins side of things, Matt Kyle Van Noy was released for cap space one year after signing a $51 million deal. Now there's a lot of ways to kind of dissect that. But when I heard this, I was like, wait a minute. We yell at people like Deshaun Watson for not quote unquote honoring a Mm, contract. mm, mm -hmm. But when the owners do it, and they cut a guy after one year after signing, giving them a big commitment. Nobody really bats mm-hmm. an eye. So it's always the player that's not loyal, but not the owner. That's something that I kind of thought when I heard this. I don't know if you kind of agree with me. Yep. On a hundred percent. And every time I I question a player who wants to sit out, again, I've done it with Deshaun Watson. I'm like, oh my, like they're paying him a ton of money. He should just play. And then stuff like this happens, and it really makes you remember that this is a ugly, ugly business, and it is a business at the very end of, of it all. And just a decision, when I first saw it, I walk out of baseball practice, I see Van Noy got released. I'm like, bro, 
the least. Well, like he, he was, a, he was a, a set. Yeah, I was like, he was a centerpiece to our defense. Plus, you just gave him a four-year deal. Like I saw him on a bunch of uh, interviews, and he's like, I'm very happy what's going on down here. He's in Miami. I'm sure he's got a house. He's raising his kids here. His family's here. It's just like, then you realize, wait, one year. And again, this is more a credit to, I would say, Chris Greer, the GM, the fact that they structure the contract that I'll get into in a second. But like one year and gone, he signed this this mega deal for him. After basically in the prime of his career, he's only 30 years old, thinking he's going to be somewhere for four years. And then after one season, gone. Just that's it. Now he's got to go through free agency again. And he has to go through free agency after having a so so year, nothing great, but nothing bad. And he also has to do it in a year where the cap is, uh, cap took a hit of like $20 million. So just for him, you somewhat feel bad in this scenario. No, I feel very bad. I mean, of course he's gonna get get fifteen million still. I think he's still making money. Yeah. Right? Yes. But so you don't. Yes. I don't want to. I, I never want to be like, oh, I really feel bad for this guy making fifteen million dollars. But in terms of this, yeah. I do feel bad. He played fourteen games last year, sixty nine tackles, ten tackles for a loss, career high, six sacks, ten quarterback hits. It's just for me, it's the double standard between you know, it's selfish for a player. Mm-hmm to say I'm not playing a la Deshaun Watson, but when an owner does it, it's just, a, it's a tough business that I, I, I can't be sold mm-hmm. on that being okay. Like, I don't agree with that. It should be, yeah. it, it should be both ways. If we're going to play the commitment card mm-hmm. and loyalty to a contract card, then the owners should honor the contract that they give their players the same way the player should own up to the contract that they agree to sign for the owners. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know. I hate th- I hate the way it's structured where if a player backs out, it's selfish and it's non it's being non-loyal. And when an owner does it, it's oh it's just a tough business. Like I, I don't like that justification for it. Yeah, I mean I, I agree one hundred percent. And I think an easy way to fix that is make all the contracts guaranteed. Mm-hmm. Y- I mean, you get it. I feel like that would be a an, a perfect way to just kind of end this uh power struggle and end the, and it basically it's a way for players to get deemed as divas and then owners you're never going to see anything about this in any media outlet saying how they're being hypocrites a little bit because that just gets washed away so it's very interesting to to see situations like this and again it just wakes you up to the the type of business this nfl is in and kind of the the loyalty that these owners and these GMs actually have to you. And again, they might sell you on longevity and this, that, and the other thing. But in reality, when you structure a deal a certain way, if if they even see a little bit of a way to get out of that contract for whatever reason, they're probably going to do it. Mm-hmm. So the dolphins are going to save $9.75 million in salary cap space. That $9.75 million is, uh, can they use that to get a player to replace Van Noy that's going to be better in terms of production that he they are, they already had him for? So when, again, obviously now on the surface, emotionally, we're both like, that was dumb. Like, why would they do that? Then obviously you got to take a step back, really try to kind of put yourself in uh, Chris Greer, the GM shoes and see, all right, let's look at the production because at the end of the day, if you're not producing, 
That's it. I know you read off his stats before. Again, had a career high in, uh, I believe it was uh, hits or something, like, yeah, 10 QB hits. Yeah, so then you look at he had six sacks. So then you look at another linebacker who was kind of a more of a depth guy that ended up getting a starting spot because one of the other linebackers got hurt, and that was uh, Andrew Van Ginkle. He had five sacks, played pretty close to the amount of time that Van Noy played, and Van Noy did miss uh, some time with he had a hip injury and he broke his hand a little bit, still battled through it. But Van Ginkle is a guy who is like 24 compared to Van Noy, who's 30. And again, it doesn't sound like it's too off, but in football, that's decades, basically. Yep. That's a and you look, at, you look at the salaries for Van Ginkle versus Van Noy. Van Noy slated in 2021 to get like 14 mil. Van Ginkle's getting like 1.5. So when you look at it that way and you say, all right, this guy Van Ginkle is doing pretty much the same in, as far as production uh, is concerned with less snaps and he's getting paid a 15th of, of the, of the price. So that's where I kind of understand it. Listen, I still wanted Van Noy. I still think he was a huge centerpiece to this team, but I'm going to, I'm going to trust them Mm -hmm. to find whatever Avenue they think via free agency or via the draft to replace Van Noy. Because again, they had a glaring need at linebacker before this with Van Noy. Now they definitely have a, massive gaping hole at linebacker but i get it from the standpoint that they have a cheaper option on their roster right now who could fill in for that role now then you just have to place replace whatever role van ginkle was on so that's just kind of part of it that if you're if you're not going to perform to the the level of the contract and there isn't a potential out that's, I guess, then when the, they want to kind of cut guys and release guys. And I, and I also, I don't think this is going to be the last of kind of those big releases that we see of veterans or even people who are freshly onto new deals because teams, like you said before, they have to cut down yeah. many million dollars to get even just where they need to be under the cap, let alone have a ton of cap space to make some moves. Yeah, I, I definitely understand it from a football perspective. I don't understand it from an ethical perspective but we're not in the business of ethics oh, we're in the agreed. business we're in the New business the of NFL. Winning, <laughs> we're in the business of winning football games and if they think that they can get yeah. similar production at a cheaper price and then allocate the money they they were spending on you to an area of need then they're going to mm-hmm. do it it sucks van noy probably bought yeah. a very nice house in miami and now he has to ship out and move he has no idea where he's going to play next year and that sucks and that's and i feel for him um yeah. in terms of the dolphins and this move in terms of the locker room does this can can something like this hurt the morale of that team? But or um, does everyone kind of understand I, that this is the business they're in? I I want to say that the players are well aware of the situation of the NFL. Again, I don't want to say they're naive to it. Maybe the Dolphins, if any team, because they have a ton of younger guys. But so it, it, it's such a fine line when you uh, are going over contracts and basically you're playing with people's money and stuff like that because as a player of a team say you get drafted by them you want to see that this team is willing to invest in you long term and give you uh contract extensions and all that good stuff now it it may negatively impact them via free agency because big big time free agents may be like oh like what's going to make you not basically cut me after a year like you did to van noy so i think Mm -hmm. agents this are basically dealing with the dolphins and i think dealing with any team basically need to really look at the fine print because the way, like you said before, there was a potential out 
to release him, only spend like four mil in dead cap, nothing, which is nothing to Stephen Ross, the owner. So they need to really, uh, I guess, negotiate the contracts in a way that suits them long term. Again, yeah. that's something that I really paid attention to, especially with football, is you may see the initial years and the amount of money, but the biggest thing is the guaranteed money. I mean, I, I remember vividly Darrell Reeves signed a four-year, 99-mil non-guaranteed contract with the Buccaneers, and he got cut after one year. Yeah. So it's like it sounds nice, it looks nice, but the guaranteed money is what actually matters. And and that's the part of football that I hate so much, and that's mm-hmm. what's awesome about baseball is because it's all guaranteed. So yeah. it, it, there's, re- there's, there's nothing uh, fishy about it. Yeah, it's going to be definitely interesting, definitely like next collective bargaining kind of negotiation, like how – money yeah. gets thrown around in the NFL if they make more guaranteed deals. Um, Cause the NFL is the one sport where you see what a guy signed for. And then there's like an asterisk and said, Oh, well only half of it's guaranteed. Like it's, it's weird how it's set up. So mm-hmm. we'll see how, cause I, I feel like players have are sick and tired of it because things like this happen where mm-hmm. they get labeled as, you know, disrespectful and selfish. And then the owners don't. So again, It'll be interesting to see over time now that players have more of a platform to see how that yeah. how the winds change there. Um, let's talk about Wilson, who's another guy that's not happy with his team. So Russell Wilson's still unhappy with the Seattle Seahawks. Actually, put out a list of teams that he'd actually welcome a trade to. So every time a player gives you a list, then it's real. Like we kind of when we first heard the story, yeah. we we're like, oh, this is kind of like a. This kind of maybe like an empty threat kind of thing. Now that there's teams out there that he put out that said, I I would go to these teams. That's a real threat. So the Bears, Cowboys, Raiders, and Saints. Thinking about it right now, Wilson on the Cowboys would be terrifying. I think that would be a great move for Dallas. Mm-hmm. It would not be a good move for me. Mm-hmm. I'd be very upset. <laughs> but I think out of all the four teams on the list, I think Dallas is the one that Wilson can make a Super Bowl contender. I like Chicago, but we don't know if they're keeping Allen Robinson. Um, The Saints, I think they're going to stick with Wilson. I mean, I'm sorry. They're going to stick with Jameis, uh, Jameis Winston. Mm -hmm. And then the Raiders, I don't think they're ready to give up on Carr yet. And I think they're looking at Wilson as more like an older guy. We might as well keep Carr. I think the Cowboys, if they Mm -hmm. can't figure out the Dak situation, I think that would be a very interesting destination. I mean, I, I think you might see a, a kind of a franchise tag and trade uh, Dak for Dak for Wilson, and maybe then mm-hmm. the, the Seahawks extend uh, Dak. I think that would be pretty cool. And I mean, again, on paper, if Russ is with the Cowboys, they're winning the division. It doesn't matter. Like they're winning the division. Yeah. What they do after that is going to be up to them. But just to be able to say, hey, like we're going to guarantee winning the division. That's that's an awesome start right now because in the NFC West, I, I don't think the Seahawks are winning anything right there. I, again, I I think they're a worse team than the uh, than the Rams, and now they're you have the Cardinals like we mentioned earlier with Watt, they're getting better. The Niners are going to get a quarterback, they're getting better. And then on top of that, the Seahawks have no draft capital. They don't have no first, no second, and no first next year too to even get the help that he wants because of the and Jamal then, Adams trade. Exactly. Yeah. And then you figure they're going to extend Jamal Adams, which is going to eat up some of the cap space too. So it, it, it's such a weird thing because all Russ wants is some offensive line help, but all Seattle's doing is giving away their assets to base to potentially get 
help on the offensive line. So I, I don't know what the Seahawks are going to do. Like if yeah. they're going to, if they want to do this philosophy that Pete Carroll seems to do everywhere he goes, or I'm going to have mm-hmm. an okay offense, nothing great, but have a defense that's just going to eat up, eat people alive. Then you don't need Russell Wilson mm-hmm. because Russell Wilson, yeah. you know, I said, I think I said this last time we spoke, Russell Wilson, when they won Super Bowls, is not the transcendent talent that Russell is, Wilson is right now because Seattle didn't Good need point. him to be that because they had the Legion of Boom. Now that Wilson yeah. has evolved into this top 10 quarterback and he has more of a voice mm. and more of a more of, I guess, of a platform to speak his mind and say what he wants and have, you know, mm-hmm. um, have leverage in that conversation. If you're Seattle, why would you want to deal with that? If your philosophy, if your head coach's philosophy is to have, you know, a game manager and have an awesome defense at this point, wouldn't it make sense for both parties to kind of part ways? So this is one of those, again, weird situations, because again, on the surface, I would agree hundred percent. Now there's a lot of other factors that people don't really talk about. They only want to say, all right, it makes sense for Wilson to leave. Like he's angry. Let's get him off the team. But it, it would be a dead cap hit of like $38 million if the Seahawks trade him. So right off the bat, there's their first reason why they wouldn't want to trade him. Then on top of that, you have an aging Colt coach in P. Carroll. He doesn't want to go through a rebuild. Like he just doesn't. And he, he has his sure thing in Russell Wilson. So at the very least, he knows his offense is going to be competent. At the very least, competent. If he brings in, say, a rookie quarterback, he has no idea really what he's going to get from him. So it's going to be a, a weird situation where it would benefit Russ a ton to get traded, but it wouldn't really benefit the Seahawks much at all, unless they get some crazy compensation for him. Or if Seattle decides they want to rebuild. And in that case, you might as well get rid of both well, Carroll yeah. and Wilson because I would, is yeah, this definitely. team, is this team close to a Super Bowl right now with the way their roster is constructed? Their defense might be, but if their offense isn't going to, if they if they're not going to help out Wilson in terms of uh, protecting him, are you going to be able to compete with Brady and Rodgers and mm-hmm. you know all these other really good and upcoming teams in the NFC? I don't know. I don't know if that's possible. So it might be just time to say goodbye to everything. Like it was a very good, it was a very good run. It was on the brink of a dynasty. If they would have handed the ball off, they would have won back to back. They yeah. won a ton of games, but at, mm-hmm. at some point, and this happens with every team at some point, some generations just end and it's ne- it, very yeah. rarely. Is it a good ending? A lot of times it doesn't work. Mm-hmm. Out. You know, the ending of Eli Manning wasn't very ceremonial. They didn't win a Super Bowl and carry yeah. him off into the sunsets. You get very few Peyton Mannings. Um, they had to carry yeah. Brett Favre off the field as a Viking. Like that doesn't look, that doesn't look good. Um, other yeah. sports, I mean, Jordan played for the Wizards. Like that didn't that didn't mm-hmm. look good. Uh, Jeter was carried off on a broken ankle. That was the end of him. Like it doesn't always. It's not always pretty. And you know, maybe it's better yeah. for Seattle to completely move on. So we'll see. If as you said, if Russell goes to Dallas, it's over in the NFC East. That would be that. That mm-hmm. would just wrap it up. Like the Eagles, Giants, and Washington shouldn't even show up, in my opinion. But we'll see what happens. Uh, moving yeah, on, it's, it's one of those go. situations. Oh, no, go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, real, real quick, real quick. Yeah, real quick. Uh, it, it's one of those situations where th- like the Seahawks have to look at basically where are they going to be 
say even just say two years from now after after this upcoming season and you the, the names you listed before of of quarterbacks Brady and Rodgers those guys are going to be gone soon so mm-hmm. if I'm the Seahawks I see this as a way to potentially get a lot of compensation for a Russ maybe even flip Jamal Adams again to a team who wants him and you kind of just say hey listen we're going to basically just stink this year Again, but hopefully if you do it the right way, you're going to stink one year. You're going to get a good draft pick. You're going to accumulate more draft picks. You're going to clear any dead cap you want. And then you're going to use this twenty or this uh, 2021 offseason to basically build up your offensive line the best you can with what you have. And then you continue to do so the next year. And then <clears throat> if there's a quarterback in that 2022 draft class, you draft him and you make sure that you have all the necessary kind of uh, parts on the team for him to be successful right away. And I think you just say, hey, listen, we're going to bite the bullet this year. All it's doing is making Stafford older, Brady older, Rodgers older. So they're all going to be on their way out. If I'm the Seahawks, I want to kind of restart the uh, the process. Just a to get bit ahead of it. Then- get ahead of the rebuild exactly. now. By, so by the time yes. you're ascending, then the competition now will be yes. descending. And then you'll be all alone up there. So that makes perfect sense. Exactly. I totally that, see them doing that. I don't. I don't think they will. I think they're going to run it back. They should but, though. Yeah. But that's that's definitely an option for them, and that's a good option. Like mm-hmm. I know the fans won't like it. Like the fans never like when you say, "Okay, like, we're going to tear it down and build up," but it yeah. shouldn't be a long rebuild for Seattle if they decide to go that. No, way. not at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, one more thing: people don't like your mock drafts, Matt. I, 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 I saw you doing some mock drafts on Twitter. Some people are, no, they would never do that. No, you're an idiot. The Dolphins aren't going to do that. People get really yeah. offended if they if you say that the Dolphins are going to take someone and the other person says, doesn't think so. People get really ticked off. Yeah, so to, to address those people, first of all, I, I'm very, very thankful for your feedback. However, this is my mock draft. This is what I would do if I were the Dolphins. I'm not guessing what the Dolphins will do. This is what I want to do. And also, on top of that, if I say the Dolphins are going to draft Jalen Waddle at three, and then someone says no, well, no, why? Give me, give me a reason yeah, why. Give, and then, and then, name. and then if you're, yeah, and then, and then if your rebuttal is Jamar Chase at three, all right, well, you're picking one of two stud wide receivers. So, am difference? I really that off? Yeah, that's what that's what I mean. So am I really that off? I'm not saying, hey, we're picking uh, Travis Etienne at three. That would be absurd, obviously, but it's my mock draft. So it is I want to do what I want to do with it. So you can't really tell me no. And then if you do, I prefer if you say, hey, I think they should go down this route and this route and the other route and this. And route then you the can have route. a conversation. Just no. Yes, exactly. I, I am all for conversations, but we have to make it make sense. Saying yeah. no doesn't no. do anything. It's also really annoying if someone just says no. <laughs> and then I have like, to like it just because I'm a nice guy. <laughs> it's it's so funny. I thought that was really funny. We got um, – I have our last episode with the mock draft in front of us now. We got a thumbs down, so apparently someone thought we were an idiot. A thumbs um, down? Yeah, Come we got on. a thumbs down. I'll I'm, take any reaction, though. I'll take any uh, reaction, though. It's fun. But, yeah, the, the mock drafts, I've been I've been more into it since in than i have in previous years people get super Mm -hmm. into it and i think it's unhealthy but it's also it's fun it's fun especially especially before free agency when you don't know what the team is doing like if if say say we're doing a mock draft for the giants and we have all these different pieces that we're that we're drafting 
and they decide that they want to go quarterback in the first round, that would change every single mock draft we've ever done for them. So it's, it's one of those things that you should do after free agency. However, I'll, I'll be doing mock drafts tomorrow. Yeah. So, I mean, it doesn't, doesn't change what I'm going to do, but if I was a sane human being, I would wait till after free agency. Exactly. Um, something I saw on SportsCenter today, this morning, your boy, Tua, said Mac Jones is a, quote, more mobile Tom Brady. Which is hard to be more mobile. Do we see that? I, it's... Again, player comparisons are such a. Is he just hyping up his uh, his Alabama guy? Yeah, I mean, again, I I, tip of the cap to him. It's his friend. I mean, they played with each other for three years. I mean, they basically grew up together in in Alabama in the QB room. But it's like it's one of those things when you look at comparisons, especially for QBs. Does anyone ever get compared to a bad quarterback or even an average quarterback? That's a good point. you're comparing Zach Wilson to Mahomes. You're comparing Mac Jones now to Tom Brady. It's like, like, how, why does no one get compared to say like Ryan Tannehill or Jimmy Garoppolo or Jay Cutler? Like, it's mm-hmm. always like these Hall of Fame elitists. It's like like Trey Lance is the next Lamar Jackson, but because that's Lamar what Jackson doesn't even know hear. what he is yet. That's I, what oh, I, I get it hear. from the yeah, I get it. I wonder if like, behind the scenes there are scouts that say you know Mac Jones is going to be Cutler. But that, that that's not going to get that's not newsworthy, right? They, we'd rather listen to the scouts yeah. that says he's going to be the next Peyton Manning. Um, but yeah, that is interesting. That, that's the next Brady. That is something that fans and anybody kind of watching these ESPNs and, and NFL Network stuff like that need to realize when the draft rolls around. Because as of right now, you would think there would be probably six quarterbacks drafted in the first round. Quarterbacks sell tickets. They, they sell you eyes on the draft on draft night. So we as fans need to pump the brakes a little bit because we have no idea. As of right now, there's probably alleged if, – if I went off what the media was saying, there would be five quarterbacks drafted within the top ten, let alone the first, first round. That's just because they're pumping them up, pump them up, pump them up, pump them up. I haven't heard a peep about who the best cornerback is or who the best linebacker is or who the best offensive lineman is outside of Sewell. I haven't even heard him mention his name, yeah. but it's quarterback. It's quarterback. Always it's quarterback. So that's kind of now, something we need to take people, with a grain of salt. People watch that, and they watch McShay, and they watch Kuiper, and they watch all these guys talk about the quarterbacks. And then if you're mm-hmm. a team that's in position to probably draft a quarterback, and then you don't, let's say, let's say someone picks Sewell in the top five, like Atlanta, mm-hmm. right? And, you know, the Atlanta yeah. fan has been programmed to, like, we got to get one of these awesome quarterbacks. But if you really look yep. at it and the people in the Atlanta Falcons organization, they realize that it would be better for their franchise to not take the quarterback and take this guy instead rather than the quarterback that mm-hmm. then fans get upset because it's always, why didn't you take the quarterback? Um, yep. So, you know, they, they're much smarter than we are. There's a reason we're doing this. Yes. And there's a reason they're doing that. And that's because mm-hmm. they know more football than yeah. we do. Like with the naked <laughs> yeah, eyes, they trust so them. much more than we do. Like we can watch the same game tape that they watch and then they mm-hmm. see oh, oh my a God. million different things that we can't see. It's amazing. So without a doubt. Without a doubt. 58 days until the draft. How many mock drafts can't will wait. you do until then? 
I started keeping keeping count. I made an account on the draftnetwork.com and I started kind of keeping count. I'm at like through like a week, I'm at like three legit ones. Like I do like three, maybe so like let's a three point four, three point five. Yeah. Something like at that. At what yeah. point when when because I'm curious, at what point in mock drafts do you mm-hmm. start thinking, okay, this might be a trade, or do are you always just straight through they're all picking? Oh, oh no. I'm I'm at least for the dolphins, like Without a doubt, they should they should trade, and I think they will trade. Now I have to pay a little extra if I want to get the ability to trade in the in the account, but I ain't gonna do that just yet. That. You have to pay extra for <laughs> no. trades it, it, for this account, yeah. And That's honestly, so I wouldn't That's doubt stupid. if by the time after free agency ends, and I know the team is set outside of the draft, I'll probably do a mock draft today. Like, not even kidding. It's gonna be, That's it's awesome. gonna be sick. Now, what I, do you do I, in between I'm mock pumped. drafts? Do you read? Do you watch? So the biggest thing, I'll give you a little, my little little load down here. Okay, I'm, I'm the, interested. The main in reason, yes. Yeah, so, so the main reason I do mock drafts first is to see, all right, who, who should the Dolphins get? Who, what would be an ideal, perfect dream scenario? Then I use it to kind of study these guys because, again, I don't watch much college football. I really don't think anyone really does to the point where you know all these prospects so especially like where we're from in the northeast on, nobody really yes, loves. like if you go exactly. south like it's we're like, not watching Rutgers, like religion yeah. like but in Different like the new story. york area we're kind of mm-hmm. like eh. yeah so i like to see basically each team's need who they tend to draft every single time i do a draft and then you see all right here's this caliber of players that always seems to be drafted here. And then here's this caliber of players that always seems to be drafted here. So then I get a, a better sense of kind of the talent evaluation. Cause again, I don't know the talent, but these companies and, and these websites do it for us basically. And I like to get a gist of the tiers of players and where maybe you can steal a guy in the second round who usually is drafted in, in the first round. Maybe he's that level talent. So I like doing it for that aspect and that familiarizes myself with who the better players are versus who the, I guess the, the worst players are without me watching game tape on every single prospect. Yeah. I, I, some people do watch game tape and they just do all day long and then they make it's their tough. mock drafts yeah. and then they post it and nobody listens. Nobody watches. I think it's, yeah, it's definitely, it's, it's definitely an acquired <laughs> taste to be a mock draft guy. It's really yes. funny, but I enjoyed doing the mock draft mm-hmm. last week or two weeks ago. Same here. Uh, we, I think we're going to do mm. it again soon, eventually. Maybe when we see yes, some free definitely. agents fall off the board. Fall off the board. Free agents yeah, is this they, month. We need a little bit. Free agents yeah, is Yeah, it's supposed to be, in, I think, in like yeah, like two weeks, something like that, is when like it officially, officially opens and stuff like that. Let but again, obviously see. we saw with the J.J. Watt deal that it's kind of like always pending everything and everything's kind of always happening. What, wasn't J.J. Watt like a special exemption in terms of where he could have signed, but like not a lot of unrestricted guys can? So I think it was because he got released. So I'm pretty sure a guy like Van Noy now can sign elsewhere because he got released, I guess, before this X deadline that they have. So now I'm, I'm pretty sure Van Noy can, can get signed somewhere. Free agency starts on March 17th. So right, we got sense. two weeks until that. 15 days. 15 days. Exactly. Perfect. Huh. So that'll be, we go. that'll be a good time. Until then, do we have anything else you want to talk about before we end things? No, because I know you have homework. Just excited to, yes, I do. It's just excited to see 
basically throughout this whole offseason and the whole year if Watson and Wilson remain on their respective teams or do they actually get traded? Yeah, that's going to be something that we're going to pay attention to all year long, all summer long. And if it does happen, that day it happens, like the whole world's going to stop. Like people are going to go crazy. Oh, I know. Never (laughs) caliber get up and leave before. So it'll be a first time. Mm -hmm. Can't wait. Can't wait. All right. It'll be a good time, but until then, we're going to sign off. For Matt Farrar, my name is Glenn Denegris. See you later. Thank you for watching Ice the Kicker, and we'll see you in the next episode.